Join spiritual feminist and empowerment coach Joni Advent Maher for Trust Your Sacred Feminine Flow. Listen in for intimate conversations about money, transformation, and feminine sovereignty. And now, your host, Joni Advent Maher. Welcome to Trust Your Sacred Feminine Flow. I'm your host, Joni Advent Maher mystic, spiritual midwife, and transformational guide. And today I am delighted and honored to welcome Julie Steelman to the podcast. Welcome, Julie. Thank you. Hi, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, So Julie earned her way out of the corporate world at the young age of 47 by discovering a unique feminine financial intelligence that all women can easily learn to access, creating a new style of feminine earning power. Woo! Yeah. Yes. So she has an innovative income amplification system that allowed her to generate more than $100 million in iconic brand sales. Her powerful courses and innovative coaching programs are designed to revolutionize <laughs> are designed to revolutionize women's relationship to money. And Julie's clients regularly develop a healthy self-worth that leads to a robust net worth, allowing them to boldly manifest their visions and create limitless lifelong wealth. Woo! Woo! That is a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) So I just want you to dive right in and and tell us about this feminine financial intelligence and how you discovered that. Well, great question. Um, I know that we've talked a little bit about the animals and stuff too, so that's actually where it all begins. There's probably some listeners who won't know what I'm going to refer to, but when I was four years old on every Sunday night, we would watch Mutual of Omaha's (laughs) Wild Kingdom, (laughs) right? So some people will know what that show is and some won't, but it was an insurance company that sponsored people to go to Africa and film the animals. And so they would broadcast a televised show every Sunday night. And I would sit there with my bowl of popcorn watching like the zebras and giraffes and elephants and lions. And I was like, nobody could talk to me and you couldn't interrupt me or move me out of the room for that hour that the show was on. And there was this thing that woke up inside of me that was like, you know, my parents are very, very conservative, Midwestern, Chicago people. <laughs> They're never going to let me go to Africa. That's too big and scary for them. And they'll never pay for it. And so the only way that I know that I'll be able to go is if I make my own money and I'm in charge of that decision. Really, hmm. that's what happened. And so you know, when I, it didn't, it took me until a couple years ago to actually look back and say, that's what happened. I didn't know what I was doing at the time, right? I was just following my inner prompting. And the feminine financial intelligence has really been my inner money muse, if you will, to mm-hmm. my guide all along the way. I actually think that she's really my inner authority 
Mm. And she's the one, her core value is freedom. And what I mean by that is not only lack of responsibility, but Mm. more about freedom to choose, to move about the world, to create, to express, to live the life I want to live, not the life that's dictated by whether I have the money to do it or not. Somehow I came through the vortex with that as my thing. And so, (laughs) you know, that's, I think we all have an inner voice um, that's very connected to co-creativity and the divine flow of life, which for me, the divine flow of money is part of that divine flow of life. And there's no unholiness about that. I don't hold it that way. Although I know a lot of women really see money as unholy mm-hmm. and I don't. And so, cause I feel like it's just another tool we get to create with, we get to be influential with. So with that said, you know, that's this intelligence that's been guiding me and sort of a driving force through my life that I've really had my ears attuned to. Mm, 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 mm. And I, I love the fact that you also felt, uh, I would say, empowered enough or confident enough in your own ability to connect with that resource and to access that resource, mm-hmm. meaning not just your inner um, intelligence, yeah. but right. also money, you know, how to maneuver in life in order to bring that to you or, or, or that maybe <laughs> that uh, intelligence guided you in that. Do, do you have a sense of that? Yeah. I mean, I think so right now it sounds all easy peasy and pretty and graceful. And all that, <laughs> but it wasn't. I mean, you know, as soon as I entered to the truth be told, I was really a musician, but I won't mm. go into the story of what changed that. And I was also more thought of myself as more of an artistic creative type, but I grew up in a family with a very strong father and three older brothers. And it was, you go work for corporate, you apprentice and you work your way up the ladder and that's how you do it. And so anything else was kind of not acceptable in our family or you'll starve and and you'll die. And my dad was very clear that there was, after you graduated college, that's it, you're done, you're cut off. If you have a financial ripple, it's on you. So there was no, you know, playing around with it, right? It was like, you do it or you don't. And so I went into corporate and Mm -hmm. followed that. And I learned early on that being in sales was the ticket out of town because I got to have freedom. I got to be my own boss to a degree. And, you know, so through those years, um, I mean, when I first started in sales, I would go throw up probably three or times a week. Mm. Like, oh my God, you know, what, what did I do? But I hung in there because my desire to have freedom of choice mm. was more powerful than this um, discomfort I was having with money, asking for money, making money and being held accountable for money. Cause if you take a sales job, you're held accountable mm-hmm. you have to for it every day. Mm-hmm. And that paradigm worked me through. It's probably a good 20 years of working my process, you know, mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. all of it. So it wasn't mm-hmm. all fun and games and easy, but I was, 
very clearly intentioned. As soon as I got into corporate, the first thought in my head was, I got to figure out how to earn my way out of here. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so the intention was always there. Mm. And I think that intelligence guided me. And I figured out that none of us created the financial paradigm we live in, right? Mm-hmm. Incarnated into it. Yeah. And, and we got, we've got a couple choices. We can fight with it and exhaust ourselves to the bone or try to twist ourselves into something we don't like that's very masculine and doesn't resonate with our physical bodies and make ourselves sick and trash our adrenals, right? Because I've tried that, okay? That's why I know. I've tried that. doesn't work. It yes. doesn't feel good. No. Um, it, it, or we can say that's unholy and retreat from it and not participate, which a lot of women do. And mm-hmm. so instead, we can use this intelligence to actually become effective and productive in a paradigm we're not in love with that we didn't create, but take it and use it, like scoop the cream off the top mm-hmm. toward things that are important to us. It's how our world works. So can you give us an example of how you support women in doing that? Or, Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing that you've got to do is, we were just talking about this, is we talk a lot about our value and our worth. And so mm. you know what I said about your self-worth is directly related to net worth? It is. And we talk, we do a lot of work on ourselves. Like we go work on our confidence. We go work on our value. We go work on our inner game. But the one thing I think that we forget to do, and we do that to a degree, but we always can always be doing more of it. Right. I don't think we're ever worked out totally the value and worthiness piece. Mm. Women are so saddled with that being broken and undernourished and undersupported and not allowed and no permission to speak that, that it, it takes a while. But I think there's a piece that I've discovered where I don't even have to worry about whether I'm confident or I'm feeling valuable or not. Mm-hmm. That's to focus on the ripple effect or the impact of the work that I do in the world. Mm. If I focus on how it affects and positively enhances someone else's life, whatever it is that I do, I give, I produce, I be, I say, I generate, whatever the output is in whatever form, because it could be beauty, it could be lipstick, right? And you made that girl's day and she went in to talk to her boss and got a raise because she felt felt good because she put on the lipstick that was the right color, right? So it could be anything, but as women, we put so many gifts out into the world and we're worried about our value, but we never take stock of the effect it has on other people. Mm. We focus our attention on that. We stop being consumed with how valuable I feel, how confident I feel, because at the end of the day, forgive me for saying this, but those are kind of ego questions, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. Yes. And so when we focus on the ripple effect of what, what transpires when, when what we do lands with somebody as truth and their life is opened up or enhanced. And then because of that, they go impact someone else and so on and so on and so on and so on, like throwing a pebble in a pond. If we were to focus our attention on that, 
we would be so much more powerful in the world because we're not worried about ourselves. Does it make yes. any sense? Yes, it's it's all about, and it, it's a lot uh, of what I talk about and what I teach, but it, it's really about standing in your authority and your power and your mission in life, which does take you out of the, like, what do I need to receive? And it's focused on not just in giving it away, but, you know, what am I here to offer or what am I here to give Mm -hmm. in, in the world? Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, no. (laughs) <laughs> you go. The other side, the other payoff or goodie that you get from really owning and focusing on your ripple effect is that it becomes much easier to value your work at, in relationship to how it impacts other people. Mm. So the prices that you ask for are more in attunement with the value of what you're giving. Yes. And that that would even be true, I would think, just in terms of negotiating, even if you're not in a paid job currently, but Correct. you're you're yeah. living in a you know in a partnership situation, just advocating for yourself and what you need yeah. financially. Well, I first learned this in corporate, and you know there were a lot of times I got pulled aside because I was always in the once I shifted out of trying to be a guy, trying to be bad <laughs> in the system, trying to change the system, stop fighting with the system. And I went, okay, I give, I'm going to do this my way and I'm going to figure it out. And that again was the feminine financial intelligence guiding me. I then became a peak performer. Mm. And so I, I was always in the CEO and senior VP circles And they would call me into meetings and go, we want you to train everybody else how to do this. And I I swear to God, I was this much of a smart ass because I knew I could get away with it because they weren't, because I was making them money. They weren't going to touch me. And so, (laughs) right. I mean, right. And that's part of the intelligence is kind of knowing, you know, how, how, where you fit and what your, what your piece is and who's going to do what and who isn't going to do what Mm -hmm. they would say, we want you, we want to replicate what you're doing. And I'm like, you can't. And they say, well, why? And they'd say, because first, you're not female. And second, you're not spiritual. And they'd be like, well, what does that have to do with it? And I said, see, if you even have to ask that question, I can't teach you this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was being a little cocky, but I got away with it. And, you know, they were trying to replicate what I was doing. And I'm like, you can't. Because I, I was looking at it as my own system, my own, I was creating my own paradigm within the paradigm that already existed as a construct. Mm. And when you talk about inner authority, to me, that's the power that gives you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And sometimes it can be a journey for us to well, yeah. most times it can be a journey for us Always. to get there. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't think we're born with that. Although when I hear your story about your four-year-old self who knew what she needed to do, that was like the the little sprout of that inner authority. You know, I kind of flipped this whole thing on its head a little bit, which is I could look back at that and then I would have said that was me saying that. Mm-hmm. 
and I, and I hope I can explain this the right way, but I actually feel like that's divine spark talking. That's mm. creativity already dancing with me. That's the limitlessness of the universe speaking. Mm. And I was just listening. And when I'm listening to that, it always lands as a truth that I'm that there's the moment before I heard that and there's the life after I heard that and that everything is different. And mm. so to me, the inner authority is about giving yourself permission to fully listen to divine spark and then check it out, test it out, look mm. at it and follow that because I've lived a pretty extraordinary life that isn't, doesn't look like anybody else's life. Mm. I'm not, I don't, I'm not, not married anymore only because he dropped out of a heart attack, not because I don't want to be, I would wish he were here, but Mm -hmm. he's not. And I don't have kids. I didn't want kids, but you know, I travel a lot. I go to Africa a lot and have a lot of freedom and I'm set up for the rest of my life. And that was intentional, but it was my inner authority that said, this is the thing that's so important to me that I will work through whatever comes up that's in my way because that's, that's what my destiny is. Mm. And mm. that became, you know, what I was paying attention to. It doesn't mean going up and blowing up your life or blowing up your relationships or blowing up things with people. I'm also a little more bold and ballsy kind of a girl because I grew up with three older brothers. I got beat up all the time. It wasn't like, <laughs> you know, I got handed roses and it was like, oh, isn't she cute? And she got petted. No. <laughs> but anyway, I just said a lot there, so I'll stop. Yes. Well, it, it makes me think about your uh, call to the wild, so to speak, and your, mm-hmm. your work with... Um, with the wild animals and just the fact that your nature is more rough and tumble for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I want to hear about that and the feminine cause it, you know, yeah. there, there feels like something really potent and powerful mixed in there. Yeah. Good, good attunement on your part. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually still coming into full understanding about that. For me as a woman, my primary source of nourishment is being in the bush and being in the wild with animals. Mm. It, I don't know that I can explain it to people. I actually, Jean Houston has actually said to me, she goes, I think you're more animal than you are human. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'll accept that. <laughs> and when I lived in Hawaii, I spent years and years and years in deep blue water with very large marine mammals, you know, listening to echolocation and being in the vibration of whale song. Mm. And just, you know, and I'm not, I'm not one of those who knows whether they are from another world or terrestrials and trying to give a spiritual message. I don't know. I, I don't <laughs> really look at it like that. And I'm not saying those people that say that are wrong. I just don't know. Mm-hmm. And, but I do know that what happens for me is I go into, for me, the animals represent a purity of divine engineering. Mm. When I look at the way they eat, whether they're pack animals or they're loners, their claws, their fangs, how their whole bodies work, I'm very fascinated with that, which is why I'm, which is why I spend so much time photographing them. 
um, and how they interact with each other and species to species. But there's a purity in the divine engineering of that. And there's an uninterrupted flow of life that naturally happens in the bush mm-hmm. that we're not messing with. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to control. We're not trying to impose upon it. And we're not trying to manipulate it. And so there's a transmission for me. I understand an animal in ways I cannot put into words. Mm. And so I think that that imprinting and that purity of engineering is what has allowed me to amplify and even expand my listening to my inner authority. Mm. Because each species has its own way of being an authority whether it's big or small or flies or walks or crawls or burrows or is nocturnal or diurnal, mm-hmm. you know, all of that is part of its plan and its DNA. And so there's this exposure to this naturally occurring system where everything has its place, its peace and its role. And knowing what's only mine and, and staying out of what isn't mine I have found to be one of the most pleasurable ways to live life and express <laughs> my gifts. Yes. And, and that is the place where so many of us as women get hung up. Yeah. Knowing what is ours and what is not ours to tend to, be involved Amen. with, carry. Yes. Amen, for sure. You know, I just came through a situation that was pretty intense and it happened with people I would have never expected to happen with. Um, And when women do it to each other, Mm. it's 40 times harder. Yes. It's 40 times more intense. And I believe that we have to stop Mm. splashing our shadow on other women and become responsible for when we're triggered yes. and our shadow and we have to go use the tools that are appropriate for working it out and do everything we can to stop from pouring it on someone else because it's an energetic kind of violence. It's yes. difficult to accept and receive. It lands very hard and That's the stuff, in my opinion, that keeps the patriarchy in place because women won't stand up. They won't become teachers and leaders because of what other women will do to persecute them. Mm. Sorry, I didn't mean to get into that. No, it's okay. It's interesting because my last episode was on the shadow. Yeah. Uh, so it's. I, I think it's. It's in the collective. And the thing is, is I. I hear you, and I completely agree, and have been working through my own uh, version of overcoming that fear of yeah. you know stepping out and facing into that. And the the gift is, it's it's just like in the way that you and I have connected is finding those circles of women. Yeah. Where women do support each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and where we do celebrate each other in the, yeah. in our fullness and in our gifts and carrying our peace, you know, living yeah. our peace. And we, and, you know, um, 
to me, this is part of the undercurrent of why we stay quiet. Yeah, there's the whole men aspect to it too. Mm -hmm. Part of why we stay quiet, why we suffer in silence, and why we won't stand up for our own value and worth. And so we overcompensate by overgiving all the time. And we lean over into pieces that aren't ours. Yeah. I could have taken that situation and said, what did I do to create it? How come that showed up in my world? You know, what can I do to make them feel better? How do I fix them so that they're not upset anymore or they don't like me anymore? And as it was said to me by someone I worked with in containment around this, which I think you got to put your own oxygen mask on first. And that's, that's how I'm going to live. I'm putting my own oxygen mask on first. And to me, that's the inner authority in action is put your own oxygen mask on first. Yes. And I would, I would add that one of the pieces that I bring in terms of awareness is, is this whole uh, dichotomy or push pull black and white between that sense of lack and sense of fullness. And when we are coming from lack, you know, when we are coming from, I'm not enough, you know, disowning or disconnection from our power, then we are going to be trying to bring others down because we're seeing either them as being, you know, who are they to think that they have power and we all have power. Yeah. And a lot of it is in our shadow and we don't know it. Like we, we don't know the ways that we are powerful and how to access it. So part of my work with women is really helping them to remember the ways they have power and the ways that they are full already so that they don't need to come from that place of having to tear somebody else down. That's beautiful. I love that. And bless you for doing that. You know, money's one of the last sources of power that women are actually even willing, just beginning to be willing because they've really figured out how much it's cost them to be broke, to be poor, to be reliant or subservient to other people in order to have life paid for. And they're just starting to come into an awakening about that it's this huge source of power and there's a lot to work out in the inner game about value and worth and ripple effect, but also all of the stuff that's in the collective feminine about um, it's unholy to receive, right? It's better to give than receive, right? Like I'll just, I could spend an hour busting up just that myth. You know, <laughs> like how many times we operate from there, it's better to give than receive but it's really better to give and receive because then you can give from the overflow instead of giving a little from the depletion. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. I love that. I'm going to get a tattoo of that. It's better to give and receive. (laughs) Say that again. I'll go with you. (laughs) You'll go with me. Yes. I was laughing so hard. I couldn't hear you. (laughs) So cycle works. So anyway, yes, yes. And I can appreciate that being in uh, kind of being in the wild, so to speak, and seeing 
seeing how the feminine in its most raw form yeah. uh, is expressed shows you, that, you know, it shows you that very clearly, um, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's mother, it's mother nature playing out on a stage you get to witness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're definitely affecting things by being there and observing or being a car out in the middle of a field and the cheetahs are hunting. Yeah, you're affecting that, impacting what's going on to some degree. But there's, for me, I am able to access a whole other way of knowing and a whole other mm. reserve and an incredible appreciation for the complexity and the limitlessness of the universe. Mm. And that I bring the lip, that experience of limitlessness is a very real thing for me. I believe it a hundred percent. No question about that. Mm. Mm. So I want to talk to you about what I call sacred feminine flow. And, yeah. and that may can mean what, whatever it means to you, but I, I like to ask if you have a story of an experience with that, and you certainly have mentioned things already, but is there a, an experience that comes to mind for you when you hear that phrase, trust your sacred feminine flow? Um, <laughs> oh, just trying to discern which one. There's so many. Yes. Um, there really is a lot around, there's so many, I'm probably going to write a book about this someday. From the meeting of my husband all the way through our life together to his extremely sudden and surprising and very unexpected death, the mother has been, the feminine has been throughout that whole Mm. experience communicating with me. Mm. And, um, there was a, I was working at Microsoft at the time and I was a manager and at Microsoft, when you're a manager, they reorg every six months. It's kind of the way the ecosystem works over there. Um, you're not supposed to go on vacation. And so in January, I don't even remember what year it was. I had gone by myself on a scuba diving trip to Turks and Caicos and I had an encounter with four bottlenose dolphins mm-hmm. and they let me watch them mate. And someday I'll tell you that story because I've never seen it on video or captured ever in photos or video the way that I witnessed it. Wow. From that moment, um, I was by myself with a guide and he said, I want you to put on your snorkel and I want you to slip in and be really quiet. It's dusk. The sun is going down. It's a full moon in the sky. The water's aquamarine blue. And uh, three females and one male they swim by me, the male rubs up against me, and one of the females comes up to the top and takes a breath and he goes over and rubs against her. And then she just surrenders and starts falling through the water column on her back. The other two dolphins, females, come up and cradle her. Mm. And the three of them are drifting towards the bottom. And the male comes by and he meets with the one that he rubbed up against. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And then they repeated each of the females and it was probably an hour and a half. I'm just watching this. 
And I thought to myself, I never, I will never be in the water again without a camera because what I'm witnessing, I've never seen before. And so I got home and I started researching and I found a guy near me that does underwater photography. And I went and met with him. I bought a system. I took lessons from him. I'm sitting in my office six months later at Microsoft and we're in a reorg. I'm not supposed to go on vacation. I'm actually out of vacation days because that was in January and I already went. And so he calls me and he says, I just had a cancellation on my trip and we're going to Bonaire. Mm. I need to go on this trip. I don't know why. And I'm like, uh, uh, and in my head on one side, I'm going, I'm, we're in a reorg. I'm not supposed to go on vacation because I'm a manager. I don't have any vacation days because I already used them. And I'm going to be going from one manager who's my boss to another manager who's my new boss. And he doesn't know me. Like I go, let me call you back. And I (laughs) sat there and it was like, my eyes rolled up in the back of my head and this being came in and she said, whatever you have to do, you need to go on that trip. If it means you resign today, do it. Mm. I was like, okay, got it. So I called him back and I went on, I'm going on the trip within the first hour of being on that trip. I met my husband. Oh, wow. And so that whole flow was the feminine guiding me and the peace that's ours to do is to listen. Mm. We were inseparable from the moment I met him. Mm. Mm, mm. And there's so much more that unfolds from there, but you know, that was my really profound that the universe was listening to me, that the man that I wanted in the way that I wanted it, that I was calling in, he was more than that, but also everything I asked for. Mm. And it was brought to me in this beautiful way of this animal encounter. Yes. <laughs> Incredible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I mean, I, so I, I, did, I wasn't, I did play a little bit of a slippery game and I admitted <laughs> it. I looked up to the heavens and I said, okay, I'm going to go shady here for a minute. So I'm letting you know, I know that I'm doing this. <laughs> and so I told the new boss I was going on the vacation and I didn't tell the old boss. Oh. And I'm like, if you let this slip through the radar, I, and so it slipped through the radar. No one ever knew. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't recommend being. <laughs> say, that's what I needed to do. Yeah, say that one more time because it, it you got really quiet yeah. for a moment. Yeah. So the way I had to pull this off. I didn't have any vacation days left and you have to ask for permission, which I hate, but you have to. (laughs) So I didn't tell my former boss that I was going on vacation in a week. Yes. Oh boy. I told my new boss that I was going on vacation and that our transition would start when I got back and I just kind of politely slid it in there and he goes, okay, great. No problem. Have a good time. (laughs) So I went on vacation when I wasn't supposed to, and I didn't have any vacation days, and it never went on the record. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and I will say, in my experience, that um, when something is meant to be, 
you know, yeah. when it's when it's really in alignment for our highest good, th- there is no no earthly or human structure, whatever that can stand in the way. Y- you know that it it just things come together in miraculous ways. Whether it's whether it's you being shady or whether it's you being daring or being bold, how, however you want to say it. Um, I, it, I've just seen that happen too many times to, to not believe otherwise. So as women, we don't believe enough in that, which I, which is why I love what you're doing about the feminine and the sacred flow and Mm -hmm. the feminine flow, because if we really believed in that and knew that there's something way more powerful and higher that has our back. Yes. We'd be moving and shaking in a whole different way. Yes, exactly. Like if our roots were really plugged into the deepest source and we knew exactly that we were supported, what would we be doing? What would we be doing differently? So that's an invitation to you, dear listener, to consider that question. What would you be doing differently? Mm. Mm -hmm. so i do love to ask my my guests uh what you would say to your younger self and and that could be last week or 40 (laughs) years ago (laughs) from this place of wisdom and authority that that you're inhabiting these days what would you say to her i would i would i would thank her for for always knowing where the upliftment and the growth is and for mm. guiding me and pointing it out all the time. So I do want to slip in a request and it, it is a request about the photo I first saw of yours, which was the rhino mm. in the moonlight. I guess it was in the moonlight. And you, yes. said, there, you said there was quite a story that, that goes oh. with that. And someday you would tell me. So I, I would love for you to both describe <laughs> the photo and the story if you can. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So... I was on a private game farm in South Africa and they have what they call a night hide. Okay. See, this is me being loving, being a girl kind of like playing with the boys. (laughs) (laughs) So imagine you're out in the middle of the bush and there's animals around and then there's this bunker. So there's this, there's this cement, cement walkway that goes straight downhill and there's a door. You open the door and you go inside and you close the door and you turn left. And in front of you is this long rectangular glass curved window. Oh, cool. And as you're standing there, the window hits you, you know, right about your collarbone height, the bottom of the window Mm -hmm. head pretty much. That's how high up it is because you go underground to get to it. At the edge of that window is about a five meter um, wide pond. Mm. So it's this place where you go at night and you put, you have cameras on tripods and let her know that I've got her back always. 
Mm. That's beautiful. And before it gets dark, because otherwise you scare all the animals in the area away. So you go in there at like four o'clock in the afternoon. It doesn't get dark till 7 p.m. So you kind of read books and fart around, you know. And so it's this room with bunk beds and there's an alarm in there. So if you want to go to sleep and an animal shows up, it triggers the alarm and it wakes you up. Mm. So I'm in this hide and I'm sitting there and I'm watching you know, all the animals come back and forth. And this mom and calf rhino walk up Mm. and she kind of knows that something's behind the window. Like she's just a little bit skittish and she starts drinking water. And I'm, and I'm literally, she's literally three feet away from me. Mm. And I'm eye level with her horn. Mm. And I'm, reminded of all of the issues and the conservation issues and the problems with rhino horn and rhinos being slaughtered Mm. and horns being harvested as in the Asian communities as aphrodisiac for sexual pleasure, you know, and, and that's what's going on and it's prevalent and happening all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting there and all of a sudden it's like her horn starts twinkling at me. Mm. Like I'm these light beams come from it and I'm I and I had a mystical encounter with her horn mm. and she had two very big horns mm. and I look up in the sky I don't know why and the moon is full and it's beaming off her horn <laughs> and so that's the photo that I took is a really wide angle photo of her very large in the moon up in the corner mm. you know beaming down on her horn And I was just like, I've been implicated. There's something in my work that I need to do about this. Mm -hmm. Stop harvesting animal parts, especially rhino horns Mm -hmm. for aphrodisiacs. And I moved into a cause. And so I can't talk about it because I'm on the black ops side of this because I don't want people to know who I am. Mm -hmm. So um, I've been moved into action and then the next morning, and I'm just sitting there and the rhinos kept coming up to the watering hole. And I'm just like, I'm just tears are pouring out my eyes going, this animal is completely innocent. And here we are imposing these things on these animals. And so the next morning they come and get us out of the bunker because it's a thing. They have to come get you. They have to have the car parked right at the end of the walkway because you're in the wild, you're in the bush. So they come and knock on the door and they unlock it from the outside. You can't get out once you're in there. <laughs> mm. And so they come and get us. And Charles, the guy who owns the property, has this look on his face. And I said, I go, what's wrong? And he said, I need to tell you guys something. And I'm like, what? And he said, you know, about a mile from here on the other side of our property, a baby rhino was shot last night and we caught a poacher on the property. And he was trying to lure the mom out of the bush to protect her baby by shooting it so that they could take her horns. Oh my gosh. And I'm sitting there and I'm like going, I am in the middle of this actually happening. This is happening. So he took us over to see the baby rhino. The rhino was fine. It had an injured leg. They had already treated it. He said, what I want you to know is I have 40 rhinos on this property and we're no longer safe. Mm. And so as of, this morning, we're flying in five vets 
and we're going to shave all the horns off our rhinos so that no more poachers come on our property. I took the last picture of that rhino with a horn on it. (gasps) Oh, oh, chills. Wow. 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 So, Mm, and Tim did. Yeah. I was just going to say, that's another where the feminine was really present. Yes, yes, yes. That's exactly what I was going to say. The moon and the horn and the mother. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah. wow. It's intense. Yeah. You know, wildlife stuff's really intense. You have to have the stomach for it. Um, and some days I don't. But um, it continues to move me and you know, circling back to how's that related to money or how's that integrated in the work that I do? Yes. This is my big why. Hmm. And I think women know what their big soul why is because it's not about the money physically of itself. Yeah, we want to buy stuff. We want to pay for stuff. but And we want to have the freedom of choice. But there's a really big why in there. And my why is we can't keep doing this. We can't keep harvesting animals, body parts for effort. And that's just my personal opinion about that. Yes. Yes. Well, you're taking a, you're a stand, you're a stand for, for the wild feminine, for her creatures, for, Mm. you know, for a a part of the world that can't speak for itself. And that is, beautiful and powerful and so important and so needed. So thank you for that. Thank you. That's what my photography is to me mm. is bringing back the reverence for these creatures and yes, removing the imposition of the things that are unnecessary. Yes. Cause we, we are on equal footing with them. We do not have, a higher place no in the web of life mm-hmm. all right well we must bring this to a close i i could talk for hours <laughs> you know, do it again <laughs> yes yes i would love that i would love that um but before we wrap up i do want to let listeners know how they can how they can access you and reach you. And, and also if they wanted to see your photography, I, I know you have a, a website um, with your financial work. Do you, do you want to speak to all that? Well, yeah, they could go to wealthybeyondmeasure.com. And that's just kind of a little bit of a blurb and you can get a free gift if, if you're so inclined. Um, my photography site is through myiris.com, but I'm going to be pulling it down. Because hmm. uh, it needs to be radically updated, and I'm going to be spending the summer doing that and putting together my first book on Wonderful. wildlife photography. Wonderful! But they could perhaps check you out on Facebook. Sometimes you yes, Facebook could... is a really good place to see much more current stuff. So you can go to facebook.com/slash Julie. I think it's Julie Mm-hmm. S-T-E-E-L-M-A-N. Yeah, so they could follow you there and see your work. Mm -hmm. Excellent. It it really is quite something. So I I encourage you listeners to do that. So thank you again, Julie, for being here and for 
you freely sharing your gifts in all the way that you do in the Thank world. Thank you so much. And I want to honor you for the space that you hold for women and being a stand for, you know, cultivating feminine power and mm. using that to navigate this beautiful flow of life and the opportunities and waking women up and supporting them in being powerful in their own lives. So beautiful. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm taking that in. (laughs) Yeah. So we can bow to, we can bow to each other Yes. and the light in each other. And I do want to thank you listener, beautiful listener for being with us today and to remind you, as always, to trust what your heart knows. Thanks for listening to Trust Your Sacred Feminine Flow with Joni Advent Maher. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share our podcast with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at iTunes.